0: This episode of Truth's Table is brought to you by The Witness, a Black Christian collective. Sisters, how y'all feel? Brothers, y'all all right? If this is your first time at Truth's Table, welcome to the table. And if you've been sitting at the table with us all these years, we are so grateful that you have been listening to us through these years, and we are inviting you to partner with us and support our work at patreon.com slash table Now pull up a chair and have a seat at the table with us. Hey y'all, welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini.
1: And I'm Christina.
0: This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So, welcome to the table, Z. How you doing, girl?
1: I am doing good today. I am doing really well. I'm, I'm counting my blessings, I'm naming them one by one, as the song says. I'm right. savoring the good. So, you know, I'm, in, I'm intentional today. How are you doing today?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Um, But you know, I had a. a, a, a I've been in my writing cave. You know, my so my
1: that's, my. That's a. Mm, you know, my, my.
0: writers know. Writers know.
1: <laughs> 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 Stretch right. your hands. Stretch your Listen. hands. <laughs> Listen, I I I avoid it. I really do until I have no other choice. So I understand the the, oh, the procrastination tweets on that.
0: It is a struggle, but I'm here. I'm glad mm-hmm. to be here to have a Different. nice writing break. That's what it is. There you Some
1: go. <laughs> Listen, I think this is going to be a lovely uh, writing break because I am so eager to talk to our guest today who I've been, I've been following his story from afar online. And I'm so excited that he is with us today during our, our series where we are highlighting Black men.
0: Y'all, we are in our Black brother we love you series. <laughs> and we are so honored to have uh, Dr. Terrence Lester at the table with us. Terrence, how you doing, brother?
2: I am really excited uh, to be here with both of you. Um, I it a privilege and an honor to follow both of you and and to I consider you both my sister so I'm I'm grateful to be here.
0: Oh, we are so happy to have you at the table and you are our brother. You know, and listen, uh Listen, Dr.
1: Do- brother today. Yeah, <laughs> well. Let me get it together. <laughs> you, know, you know, we, we, we definitely we definitely are big on those black church roots so we will give every honor and accolade that can be given.
0: <laughs> Dr. Brother, let me let me get it together. Thank you. Give me gather me. So <laughs> gather me.
1: Fresh fresh degree, fresh.
0: Yes. Well, (laughs) just in case y'all don't know who our brother, Dr. Terrence Lester is, let me tell you a little something about this brother. Terrence Lester is a storyteller, public scholar, speaker, community activist, and author who is a founder and executive director at Love Beyond Walls. A non-profit organization focused on raising poverty and homelessness awareness and community mobilization. At the age of 16, Terrence was a high school dropout and a member of a gang. A rebellious teen, he spent time living on the streets and even attempted to take his own life. At 20, he was arrested. In jail, he met a man who talked to him about life decisions. It was the first time he had ever heard the good news. By the start of the following year, he was submitting to his own call to share his testimony to change the lives of others. Three ideals drive Terrence. One, anyone can make a difference. Two, we don't live forever. Three, and it's worth dedicating one's life to making sure no one feels invisible. He's known for nationwide campaigns that bring awareness to homelessness, poverty, and economic inequality. His awareness campaigns have been featured on MLK50, CNN, Good Morning America, CNN, Essence Magazine, TEDx, TV One, Creative Mornings, USA Today, and many other media outlets. These campaigns have been viewed by millions of people worldwide. Welcome to the table, Dr. Terrence Lester, <laughs> doer of all the things. Okay, <laughs> listen, listen,
1: doer of all the things for the good of others. So I like this one yes. thing to be busy, but being being known for uh, being busy doing good. Now that is a reputation worth worth having. So welcome.
0: Yes.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, I would love to hear from you, Terrence, just your own your own faith journey about how you. Yeah how you came to hear the good news of the gospel, right? That like, I just lifted up there in your bio. Um, and, and where you are now, and what does it look like, you know, from 16 year old Terrence to grown man with a PhD <laughs> Terrence walking with the Lord. Talk to us about the, uh, 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 the inception of your relationship with the Lord and its evolution.
2: Yeah. I would attribute a lot of my uh, Christian identity to my grandmother. Um, Her name is Jessica Lester. Uh, She was a member of the historic Wheat Street Baptist Church Mm -hmm. uh, uh, lodged in the heart of the city of Atlanta. And I remember early on uh, being exposed to Christian worship and Mm -hmm. uh, the church community as early as eight years old um, when my father was in and out of uh, jail. Mm -hmm. And so um, given the like the social context of where my family was. um, I internalized a lot of anger from the violence and the um, the dysfunction that was happening in my household. And so by the age of 12, I was, you know, uh, in gangs and being put out of middle school. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was 16 years old, I had run away from school um, and from home. And so I was living in parks um, from friend's house to friend's house. And I, I always sensed uh, my grandmother's voice and what she exposed me to early on in my life uh, about God and, and faith and Jesus and all of those things. But it didn't crystallize until I found myself in a jail cell at age 20 wow. uh, for making a, a wrong decision. And this guy literally walks over to me as 16 other inmates in this uh, little tiny cell in the country town. And he asked me. He says, what on earth are you doing here? Mm. And it wasn't the type of questioning where he's trying to figure out what kind of crime I committed. He was basically asking me this question, uh, saying that I was wasting my life away. And then he started to talk to me about God and my faith Mm. um, and his faith and um, how God could redeem and restore. And he shared this passage with me that became like the um, the passage that literally allowed me to give my life to the Lord, which was, uh, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, um, and and we were be able to, uh, be restored and renewed. Right. And so I left, um, the charges were dropped. Uh, the the judge gave me a second chance and I, um, I left this part of the town and I, I remember going to a Bible study sitting around a, a, a table full of guys. And then I found myself crying, like um, just wanting to surrender my life to Jesus and follow Jesus. So that's how I came to faith. Um, God met me at the lowest point of my life and, and reminded me that I was worthy that um, he would restore me beyond the existential experiences that I was experiencing at that moment and that he had enough love to contain all of the pain that I had Come gone through.
0: On. Come on. Come on. Beautiful.
1: I'm so grateful for that second chance that God gave you. Um, and, and it it not only blessed you, but it blesses so many other people. And uh, just that testimony of God coming to get you in that cell, <laughs> through, through the voice of this person. Um, but God coming to get you and asking that, that really prophetic question. So thank you for that reminder. I think, I imagine as others are listening, we're thinking about how God came and got us to uh, at different places, whether it's a jail cell or wherever it might be. Um, so thank you for sharing that part of your story. I, I know that, uh, you, as I mentioned before, your work has really centered people who are not seen the impoverished, the marginalized, the, the unhoused. And I would imagine so much of that is because of your own story, your own journey, but give us a snapshot of really how you got into that particular work. Cause a lot of us have stories that could be inspiring us in different ways that we're not, it's not actualized. So how did you actually get into this work of, of connecting that history into programmatic reality?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I was almost 17 years old. I'm standing at a gas station and I just run away from home. I was going to sleep in the park uh again um and i'm begging for change like people are walking in and out of the gas station and i'm begging for change because there were no cell phones i had to literally gather change to walk over to a payphone and so this guy comes out and he looks at me as late at night and he says what on earth are you doing out here so late and i say, i just need to use the payphone um the reason why i wanted to use the payphone is because i was calling my friend eric because i saw his father uh, mr moore as being an example of a black man sitting with his family at the table, pastoring the church, um, advocating on behalf of those who were addicted to substance as well as experiencing homelessness. And he was just a, a warm spirited person. And so I, he get, he, this guy tosses me two coins, one fall on the floor, on, on the ground, and I catch the other quarter in my hand. I call Eric um, and I said, uh, when he picked up the phone, I said, E, do you um, think that your parents would allow me to come over? I don't know where I'm going to eat tonight and I might be sleeping in the park. He puts down the phone. I hear his footsteps across the floor. I still remember him fresh. He comes back to the phone and he says, come on over. My family loves you. Oh no. Um, I drive Beautiful. over to um, Eric's house and his father was walking down the driveway. Uh, with his soccer ball in one hand and the um, hot dog in the other, and is the first black man I could ever look into his eyes. He taps me on my chest and he says, I don't care where you find yourself in life, you are a, a leader. Um, and he kind of spoke to me about um, the potential. And he used this soccer ball analogy saying that, um, you know, I was like a soccer ball because I had been kicked around. Mm -hmm. Every soccer ball is placed in an environment that it didn't ask to be in in between two teams. And just like Mm -hmm. him and I and everybody, we're sometimes born into families in between two parents. We didn't ask to be in. Mm -hmm. He says uh, the soccer ball survives all of the kicks because of what's on the inside of it. And then he started to talk to me about my purpose. He says, turn the ball around. I turn it around and it said, made for all weather. The ball was, um, or made for all purpose. He says, this ball is made for all weather conditions. And he started to talk to me about my purpose. But then, um, greater than that, he says, the last way the soccer ball survives all of the kicks because every soccer ball has a goal. And he started talking to me about, the goals and the potential that I had on the inside of me and the potential of me one day using my story and my narrative to build this type of empathy that I have on the inside of that. You mix that with my grandmother's talk about Jesus and the disinherited, how Jesus shows up as a minority, as a poor Jew, as one who is under Roman oppression, but still has a message uh, that he has come to save, watch this, to liberate people and to save people's right. uh, souls, right? And so you mix those two together and you say, uh, at one stage of my life, I have a black man telling me about, uh, I have the potential mm-hmm. to reach people like me. And then you have a grandmother, a praying grandmother, who's saying that we serve and follow a Jesus that is able to liberate But watch this also uh, talk to people about their inherent worth and value. And so that kind of crystallized in me, uh, my heart and how I want to serve, you know. So that's kind of like my journey into wanting to see people who've been otherized and marginalized because I know the pain Mm -hmm. of what that feels like. But also follow Jesus because I've given my life to the Lord and I understand the heart of God and wanting to love every single person.
0: I just want to just let that just breathe, you know? I mean, you talk about Mr. Moore and I I know a prophet when I hear one, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, the way that he prophesied over your life, you know, and just was ready to deliver a rhema word that you needed to hear in your life and preach to you. From, with a soccer ball in hand and a hot dog in the other because he cares about your body and soul because that's the kind of God we serve. <laughs> we care about people. And if, if, we, if we say we're God's children, we also care about people's bodies and souls. I just think that is just powerful, powerful. And then you have submitted your life to the brown-skinned Palestinian Jewish man, our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself, was also unhoused who himself knew what it meant to not know where he was going. Well, That's him right. being God, I guess he didn't know where he's going to lay his head, but you know, <laughs> just walking through, you know what I mean? Just the, just the, um, the threads, you know, of God's providence, the threads of God's protection, the threads of God's grace over your life is powerful, powerful to hear and to now see you, uh, walking, uh, in your calling, flat-footed, doing what God called you to do and what the word that God gave, you know, to Mr. Moore and to your and to your grandmother and to, I'm sure, others, you know, who also confirmed and affirmed uh, your call. Thank God um, for the saints. Thank yeah. God for the saints.
2: I remember... Um... Mm-hmm. I remember right before I started uh, the organization Love Beyond Walls, I just had a conversation with Mr. Moore and the last words that he spoke to me were that I should, you know, pursue and follow God wherever he led me. And I really felt this burden for the poor and the unhoused and those who are seen. Because, as you said, like when I look at the life and witness of Jesus, Jesus has a life of proximity, Uh, and touching people and being present with people. And I wanted to live like that. And so we start, and then I get a phone call from uh, his son uh, saying that Mr. Moore has cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, shortly thereafter, Mr. Moore passed away, and I'm being invited to speak at his funeral. And um, I'm standing up in uh, in the sanctuary, and I look around, and I see... All of these people who Mr. Moore was proximate to uh, modeling what Jesus uh, how Jesus lived That's right. and um, I mean former addicts, former people experiencing homelessness, people who were uh, seen uh, uh, defined as invisible in you know Western society or whatever and Mr. Moore gave his life to them and I'll never forget uh, leaving that funeral and not say, you know, I want to model that. I want to follow Mr. Moore. I want to follow him the way that he followed Jesus. uh, And I want to kind of uh, develop that type of lifestyle. And so, you know, my heart has always been to show up and be proximate, like uh, to to preach a sermon with the way that I live. You Mm. know, it's not just about being in someone's pulpit, but like, how are you showing love and modeling that love to the person behind a building Come on, or digging in a dumpster, uh, eating trash for lunch? You know, how are you showing up, uh, in the way that you live your message with, uh, loving a family who of seven living in two cars because they can't afford rent. And so those are the people that I found uh, most community with but they are also the people that I learn from, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes when we uh, think about, you know, nonprofits or this this missional or charitable type of work, we do it from this posture of, uh, you know, uh, power and privilege, right? But I've inverted that because some of the greatest lessons I've learned have come from the people who are deemed invisible in society. Um, and that's the way that I, I've chosen to live. Yeah.
0: The last shall be first. Yes. Right. The upside down kingdom. Wow. Yes. You know, this is a great place for us to take a quick commercial break. (laughs) And when we come back, y'all, we will be still here at the table with our brother, Dr. Terrence Lester. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Sisters, there isn't a conference like Joy and Justice this year the joy and justice conference is back with its theme rise up and flourish see most conferences are heavily intellectual or heavily inspirational but the joy and justice 23 conference is the perfect combination of both it's a space for hope refreshing and a place to honor god as you were created to be at the rise up and flourish conference we will tackle the injustices that try to hold Black people down and steal our joy. For two days, we will gather like family. The Witness, a Black Christian Collective team, and their lineup of dynamic guests will speak to your core concerns. You will encounter dynamic worship, thoughtful presentations, and meaningful conversations that will empower you to experience the joy and justice you seek. The conference will include powerful talks from Danielle Koch, Jamar Tisby, Tyler Burns, Christina Edmondson, and yours truly. Life-giving worship will be led by Chantel Varnado, founder of Kingdom United Collective. We will also celebrate the upcoming release of the BCC's Vice President Ali Henny's new book, I Won't Shut Up, Finding Your Voice When the World Tries to Silence You. We want to see you at the Joy and Justice Conference Rise Up and Flourish 2023 on June 23rd, through June 24th, 2023, in Chicago's South Suburbs. The conference will be held at Lilydale First Baptist Church's Legacy Campus, located at 424 Indian Wood Boulevard, Park Forest, Illinois, 60466. Buy your ticket today at riseupandflourish.com. Regular price tickets are $125 and $200 at the door. But Truth's Table listeners will receive 25% off of your ticket price when you use the code TRUTHSTABLE at checkout. Don't forget, you'll get 25% off when you use the promo code TRUTHSTABLE at checkout when you purchase your conference ticket at riseupandflourish.com. Register today and we will see you there. Hey, y'all. We are back here at the table with Dr. Terrence Lester. I mean, I just had to give y'all a moment or me a moment to gather myself. because That (laughs) that testimony had me running. I was about to break out in tongues. I was like, wait, we ain't got no interpreter. So I'm not going to be obedient to scriptures. Okay. So... (laughs)
1: Decency in order, my friend. Decency. <laughs>
0: That's being decent. Decency in order. Okay. All right. See, so you got it, girl. <laughs> well,
1: well, yeah. And, and to Akimani's point, it is so it's so encouraging. It's so edifying to hear hear your story. But I know that all the stories that you're sharing, um, they, they there are many tears in that story. There's, oh, there's yes. frustration in that story. There's there's real pain and physical hunger in that sto- in those stories Literally. that you are sharing. And so they come at a high cost to you that what we're we're now receiving in this edification. I just want to thank you for being willing to to share those things. And and I know that even very recently um the Lord has been adding to this book of Dr. Terrence's testimonies okay <laughs> so you just you know you, you just had an, another recent chapter which I know you didn't ask you didn't ask for that chapter you're like Lord I'm good we can, we can, we can pause here but I, yeah. but I would love for you to share a little bit about I'm referring to really this this medical emergency this medical crisis that not only impacted you but but your dear wife as well can you uh, paint the picture for us talk to us a little bit about this most recent uh, medical crisis that the Lord has is pulling you up from.
2: Yeah. So, um, well, thank you, firstly, for acknowledging um, the work, uh, because, you know, anytime you deal with any level of trauma, um, you know, you have to do that type of work. And I've been doing that work for a long time and am still continuing to do that work. So thank you for acknowledging that. And um, yeah, so it was May 14th, uh, 2022. Uh, the night before uh, our organization was just acknowledged by the National Urban League uh, for its fin- philanthropic endeavors. And so my wife and I go and the n- next day we decide to go out and celebrate with f- friends and um, we're at dinner and it's getting late. It's about 11 o'clock. We leave there and I asked my wife to drive um, because I was a little tired and she agreed. And so um I fell asleep in the car. Um, and I woke up on the ground, uh, EMTs are running over to my body. Uh, and I can hear one EMT yell out, flip him over to see if he's still alive. I look up and I see a mangled car with my wife kind of limping around uh, to make her way over to my, my body. Uh, they picked me up and put me on the back of the, uh, the ambulance and I black out again um, when I wake up I have uh, you know medical doctors uh, standing over me uh, my mm-hmm. femur had broken both my hip and my pelvis and it was uh, in a position where it had bruised my nerve and they needed to act fast and so uh, they said they were gonna have to do two surgeries and uh, ten, ten hours later um, the doctor is telling me that it might be you know a year year and a half before i could get back to myself and walk again and um i was in the hospital for about 26 days and so if you would imagine i'm uh i'm distraught because mm. yeah. my work is tied to my mobility Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of the campaigns in my, uh, that you read in my bio, Mm -hmm. where it was walking from Atlanta to Washington, all that stuff was kind of tied to my ability to produce or to perform. And my, my worth Mm -hmm. at my core was impacted. Mm -hmm. And then it opened up this world of not only grief, but identification, uh, being someone living with a disability now, uh, because I would have to walk again. I would have to notice, uh, not only hostile architecture as it relates to those who are unhoused, but hostile architecture and how buildings are designed to exclude those who are living with a disability, right. uh, you know, uh, to having my family move me around in a wheelchair and, mm not being able to walk for months and being confined to a bed. I mean, there was a lot of grief there and I had to do a lot of inner work with detaching my worth from mobility, Mm -hmm. detaching myself, my sense of self-worth from, uh, you know, capitalistic production and what being defined by how we produce Mm -hmm. and perform and all of those things. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, yet again, God was, allowing me to experience this. Luckily, I, I was able to walk um, again within six months and mm-hmm. all of those things. But emerging on the other side, healing is so near to my heart. And I have even greater compassion for those who are unhoused, who are living with a disability. Uh, 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 the way that cities are designed to exclude uh, those who are uh, both living with a disability and unhoused. And mm-hmm. I'm just... I'm in a place where I'm both lamenting Mm -hmm. and and embracing grief, but also celebrating, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that I'm still here and I can still uh, advocate and use my voice.
0: Mm. The tension, you know, of um,
1: being sorrowful yet rejoicing, celebrating
0: yet grieving.
1: Yes. So much of what you have shared today, what comes to my mind is, um, the incredible high cost of empathy mm. that you have paid um, to be to be able to draw near, not with pity and judgment, but with compassion and solidarity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, mm. it's, it's a high cost, high cost of empathy that you have paid, and in so way, so many ways, that parallels um, the life of Jesus. Um, mm. Who paid the highest costs, right? Of empathy and solidarity. Right. So, um, mm. yeah, we don't ask for our testimonies. We really a real a real testimony. You don't ask for it. You don't ask for it. You um, don't ask for it.
2: You don't ask for it. And as a matter of fact, I would I would say that uh, my life stopped and paused at uh, uh, what me and my wife would consider the height of. Um, what we were doing in our organization works and all of that stuff. So no, it's not something that you ask for, but it's something that you learn to build a relationship with Mm. and embrace. Um, And like uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Vanetta West says, you stop asking God why, and you start asking God what next. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's
0: right. That is is right. You know, um, as you were sharing you know about that very traumatic accident um, and the traumatic e- almost year that you've had. Um, I remember us, you know, corresponding and you know talking about the pain and you know everything. You know, just the pain, the, the nerve pain. Every they hit every everything from the surgery and whatnot. I um, can't help but think about um, one of the tenants, you know, that you one of the three tenants that you know you um, that guide you. I'm talking about we don't live forever, and I. Um, if you're able, I would love for you to talk about uh, what it means to have been so close to death, um, and yet being grateful for being alive and where God has been um, and how <laughs> your relationship with God has uh, maybe changed or what what has it looked like? When, what are your conversations with God like, you know, as you're going through and as you are, um still uh, uh, going through and just how is Cecilia doing your wife and, you know, how are y'all doing? And, uh, yeah, just love for you to talk about, you know, yeah, where God, where God is, where do you sense, you know, God has been doing all of it.
2: Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, firstly, um, I thank God for my wife. Um, she is my best friend. Mm. Um, she was my caregiver. Uh, 24-7 around the clock I mean for months uh, that sister uh, is not only strong but she is graceful mm-hmm. and I have uh, high regard and high respect for her as a black woman um, her wisdom mm-hmm. her guidance and her leadership um, and she she is doing well mm-hmm. uh, and we are both doing well I would say that you know, initially, the one one of the biggest lessons that I had to learn was that it was OK to be in a to grieve, uh, to question, yes. uh, to be upset, uh, to voice my true emotions and how I felt uh, to God. That's right. um, you know, it was OK to be angry. It was OK to um To feel every single emotion. Uh, But then I started to move to this place of realizing that because I had experienced trauma and grief, that did not mean that somehow my worth had vanished. Mm. That um, even though God allowed this to happen, that grief and trauma and loss and uh, living with a disability did not somehow diminish the value, uh, that I have as a black man yeah. and the value that God has placed, uh, in, in, on my life. And so like, I had to really wrestle with that and it kind of reoriented me. So like you go from right, like orientation, right. To disorientation, oh. you know, to reorientation, mm-hmm. which is, you know, this kind of like, uh, triadic process. And so like, I was oriented into doing this thing, to having this uh, relationship with God the way that I wanted it, you know, and then I was disoriented Mm -hmm. and I had to uh, find a new way of relating uh, to Jesus and to how God loves uh, beyond my ability to produce, to work or to move and all of those things. And then uh, this reorientation phase is where I find myself now is not only, um, you know, realizing that my grief did not take my worth away, but also my grief um, does not have to be the same as the way that other people grieve, That's fine. right? Um, that there is no cookie cutter uh, experience or toolkit for how one grieves. And mm-hmm. so like really building a relationship with the emotions that surround that unique event, but allowing those things to speak to me uh, as Dr. Christina pointed out, like speak to me about where I am headed, speak to me about my worth. Speak to me about my call. Speak to me about uh, deepening my faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, speak to me even about, you know, the new passions that are emerging uh, out of this empathetic experience. That's and then, great. lastly, it's just like, you know, just realizing that grief doesn't necessarily have a, a expiration date, right? Uh, as I mentioned before, we started recording. Like, my body is, you know. The body does keep the score yeah. as the scholar says and i'm starting you know to feel it in my body even as i approach the year mm-hmm. i'm celebrating but i'm yet mourning yeah. you know yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful but i'm yet sorrowful and i think holding those two tensions and the duality of both of those keeps me human but it also keeps me dependent upon uh god to continue to restore so that's where i am and um that's just, being honest
1: yeah yeah um even as i'm listening to you and you when you mentioned holding those different tensions together i am just thinking about um just the the gentleness um, the strength of gentleness in which you are communicating your own story um almost as an an antidote against bitterness um because I I think it'd be easy to live on, to live and park yourself right there. I, I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> it would be easy <laughs> oh, to yeah. do such, but yet yeah. as you tell this story of uh, there to me, there's such strength of gentleness as as you convey and you share this story with us. Um, mm. You know we have we have a number of people who who are listening and who they've got some chapters in their book. I know I have had chapters in my book that I wish were not there. I would have preferred they not they not be in that book uh, altogether, um, but they're not sure what to do uh, mm. with, with what they have been dealt, with, what is before them, whether it's in the past mm. or whether they are journeying through right now. And I'm wondering if you could talk directly to them. We have been so blessed by you communicating with us. But would you mind yeah. talking directly to them as one who yeah. has paid the high cost of empathy? Um, yeah. what, would, what would you say? Um, and I, I, I hate to overuse the word to encourage them because sometimes, you know, encouragement can look different. But what yeah. truth would you share uh, with them?
2: Yeah. I remember um, I was lying in, in bed. I could not move. And um, it was hard for me. My whole life, my Black self has always been taught to work hard. Right. You know, work twice as hard, right? Um, never see people allow people to see you sweat. You know, uh, do for yourself, you know roll up your sleeves, you know, that kind of narrative. And at the moment that I would consider one of my lowest moments, I had to reorient that way of thinking. Mm. And I had to make myself vulnerable and allow other people to serve me. I remember uh, you, Dr. Christina, you know, sent us gifts. Um, you, my sister e, uh sent uh, text messages and, and checked on me. And the, the, the natural posture is to be strong. And what I'm communicating to you in this moment, if you find yourself, as Howard Thurman says, with your back against the wall, it's OK not to be strong. That's right. It's OK to be vulnerable. It's OK to allow people to love you in the ways that you're not even able to show up for yourself in the moment. It's OK to seek out safe spaces to communicate your honest and raw and most That's intimate right. feelings about what is happening. As long as that, they, that they're safe, because, um, I, I found in opening myself up and allowing people to love me and, uh, allowing myself to communicate my raw and honest feelings, I started the type of work I needed to take steps towards healing. And, you know, it doesn't happen with like a, a waterfall it's not a, a fire hydrant right it's the slow drips um that creates more of the the bigger waves that we're looking for and so i've just been a faithful steward over i'm just going to do the next thing that is most healthiest um it's the next thing that is most healthiest mm-hmm. and i would encourage you to do the next thing that is most healthiest. If that's the conversation, Mm. is that scheduling, uh, the therapy appointment, Mm. if that's allowing people to love you and not closing or avoiding, Mm um, you know, people, because you don't know how to interpret, uh, what love looks like without Mm. strings being attached. If Mm. that is, um, you know, reading a book or listening to this podcast or whatever it is, just do the next healthiest things. And, after you take so many steps, uh, some, and then you'll look up one day and see that you're running.
1: Mm. Mm. Let us not despise the slow drip. All oh, beginnings. Yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. Let us not mm-hmm. despise. Thank yeah, you so much.
0: Right. Yeah, the next health, healthiest you know, thing. The next healthiest thing. I love that.
2: And that's hard. <laughs> it is. It's hard.
0: Especially when you're a doer. yeah but uh i'm glad i'm glad um i know that was one of many lessons i'm sure that you've you have learned and are learning you know um you know you being the public scholar that you are the doctor that you are the thinker uh that you are um who's written you know several books i know uh that you have another book coming out that even in the midst of this year (laughs) you have been Talk about doing,
1: talk about doing, (laughs) talk about
0: doing. Okay. Uh, Talk about doing the next healthiest thing. Now I don't know. You have to talk to us about this if this was the next healthiest thing <laughs> was to be writing a book. He, he, he like he right. go an
1: incitation and a book. Listen while recovering <laughs> from a, a traumatic accident. I was like, my Listen, don't don't try this at home, saints. Don't don't try, <laughs> what, what is my excuse, try <laughs> really? what is really my
0: excuse? I don't know. I, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like
1: Dr. Terrence is made of some some additional uh, vibranium. We just, gonna, just, we, right. I'm, I'm not no, taking I, any lessons from him. <laughs>
2: No, I have to. I have to definitely share it.
1: Please,
2: awesome. Yeah, I mean, I teach mean, teach us your
0: ways and tell us about this next book and what that meant for you to start writing a book while you're recovering. Talk to us about all the things, brother.
2: Yeah, um, writing for me when I was unable to move was was really cathartic. Mm. Um, I mean, I just want you to like hmm. think about being confined to a bed without movement for four months. Like think about your every day, your every second, think about your calendar and all that stuff. And I was really wrestling with um, purpose and call and worth and all of those things. And I'll never forget talking to my wife about them. And she says, you may not be able to move but you still can use your mind. And that kind of unlocked something on the inside of me. Like, yeah, I may not be able to walk right now, but I can write and I can think and I can use uh, this time in meaningful ways. And I would think, um, I would, you know, say that God allowed that time for me in that bed, as traumatic as it was, uh, to serve in a different way. Right. And I got a chance to reflect on all of my experiences with whiteness and white space and the trauma um, that I endured. Um, And I also got a chance to reflect on all of the joys uh, that I gleaned from the conversations with my grandparents, some of that oral tradition that was passed down, uh, the way that we learn history in the Black community uh, became really cathartic for me, which um, gave me Um, kind of like the license and the confidence to start writing and telling my own story about uh, what it means to be a Black man that has had to navigate uh, white institutions, white churches, white space, and uh, white space asking me to be a shell of myself when talking to my grandfather and, and kind of like listening to those stories and recounting the things that Um, He went through um, and and remembering those things and finding strength and confidence in my, my blackness and how I am being empowered to pass along this tradition, even to my own kids and my children. And so in the wake of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Amar Arbery, I got a chance to really reflect on these things, but also write this as a letter to my kids, but also as a challenge uh, to white folks who would dare to say they want to reconcile with someone they've never stood in solidarity with. Um, and so uh, that's kind of like the the courage I found in this book. And then even doing my own research, um, just uh, looking at public policy and doing policy analysis and all these things, and really, uh, <laughs> just really grappling with We got to reframe. George Lakoff would say, uh, you know, reframing is a part of social change. And so, like, I'm contributing to the to the long history and line of uh, sisters like yourself uh, talking about matters of race and faith and belonging and inclusion in ways that um, really glorify God. So that's that's how I did it. And um, I'm glad I, I got got through it.
0: Amazing. I mean, and what is the name of the book and where can they pre-order? Tell, tell the people. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's
2: called, it's called all God's children. Um, uh, which is a play on words. My grandmother used to say, uh, and how confronting Barrett history can build racial solidarity. I chose the word solidarity is because, you know, if you ain't standing with me in the struggle, then you really don't have nothing to, nothing to say. Right. right. Um, and and yeah, so you can pre-order it Amazon, Barnes and Noble, mm-hmm. all all the where books are sold. Wonderful, awesome.
1: Well, we are we are ex- we are excited to get that that book in our hands, and um, I know our listeners are are leaning in, l- looking <laughs> for that resource because you are a a a wonderful um storyteller. I mean, you're just very gifted at sharing of. I mean, we all we all got our book chapters, but we can't always convey it well. I think you have a That's combination right. of both, and so. I really would commend that book to our, our listeners to check it out so that we can all be edified by this, this gift of storytelling that you have as well, Terrence. So uh, I don't know, Akemi, do we need to end it on a, on a, on a more jovial note? Would, would, you, would you like to allow Dr. Terrence to have the experience that we all okay. can give to the sisters oh, wow. as we close out oh, such wow. an episode? I, I feel like he's, he's done a great job. And that uh, wow. we, 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 we could give him an opportunity uh, for some forced fun. Oh, snaps. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay. Let's, do <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Forced fun. All right. These are the hardest questions of the whole show. No, listen. I'm just not kidding. a game. <laughs> Be prepared. Be ready. Okay. 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 All right. The first is one got to go. Anita, Whitney, Aretha, <laughs> Shaka, one got to go.
2: Oh my God. I told you it's the hardest question. I'm telling you,
0: man. <laughs>
2: Deeper thought. Uh, I, I, um, uh, that's hard. <laughs>
1: one got to go. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes sir. They are.
2: Uh, I'm gonna say Anita.
1: Ooh. Wow!
0: Wow! The pain, the pain. Okay, okay, okay. You gotta explain this choice. You gotta explain.
2: Aretha and Shaka are uh, some of my favorites, and uh, my wife is a a huge Whitney um, fan. Yeah, I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't, I didn't want to do it. Like. I can't do it.
1: Out. I know. I know. We look. We, we know. We know. We so wrong. Here. We know. We oh, always wrong. wrong. We know. We wrong. I'm we about to go see
0: Dina in time. concert. I can't wait. I'm counting down the days. Matter of fact, I'm about to put on a countdown clock, clock on my phone because I'm about to see her in early
2: May. Look, look. I'm gonna have to make a public statement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's it, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. It so, is. so, so here is my question for you. If uh, I'm, I'm a Marvel fan, folks that listen, they know that I'm serious about Marvel, sci-fi. You name all those kind of things. So, um, Terrence, if if you if you had to have another superpower besides the ones you already have, okay, what would that superpower be, and why?
2: Mm. Wow. Um, I, w- I wish I had the superpower uh, to read minds.
1: Ooh. Ooh. Terrence, the humans are scary.
2: They they are, they are. But tell, us, but, why. tell us why. Tell us
1: why. Tell us why that would be what would be good for you.
2: I mean, so think about it. Like when you look at uh, city landscapes or mm. anything that has like uh, gentrification happening, that is causing more concentrated poverty in Black and Brown neighborhoods. You know, they don't just happen overnight. These are planned decades, uh, sometimes in advance, right? Uh, there's another scare with 2026 and the uh, displacing of homeless um, or unhoused community here in the city because we're going to have another major event just like the Olympics in 1996. And That's I great. wish I could read the minds mm-hmm. of those who are plotting and planning That's the nice. demise and the displacement of those who are uh, being pushed aside and marginalized. Mm. And so if I knew that information, we could start, you know, combating it earlier uh, instead of being uh, reactive, we could be more proactive. Come
0: on.
1: We're here. So, for so in this. other words, you want to use your superpower to do super good. Is that is that what you super to tell good. Us right now? Super, 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 super good. <laughs> good.
0: Come on. Super good. Terrence super the Liberator. Good. Okay, we win it. We win <laughs> it. <laughs> The last, the last question. If we were to get in your car right now, what would okay. we hear playing?
2: Um, on any given day, I am listening to believe it or not, like score music and classical music.
0: Nice. Like a true and intellect. The,
2: yeah, and the <laughs> no. No, I'm not just like listening to that. I mean, I'm I'm listening to Shaka. I'm listening to Luther. Listen. You know, Outcast. That's right. Um, That's right. Jake J. Cole. Like I'm I'm listening. But, you know, on, on the average day when I'm traveling in between uh mm-hmm. you know or commuting, I'm listening to like just classical, like just pianos and things like awesome. that. Because I, I I found that thinking for me is uh you know, thought life is a way of life for me. It's life-giving yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. to be able to think about uh, things. And so, yeah. I love that. Uh, yep. Yeah. I love it.
0: Oh, I love it. Well, we just thank you so much for coming to sit at the table with us. Dr. Terrence Lester, we are grateful for you. We are grateful for your life. We're grateful for your testimony, your skill at storytelling and um just we're, we're excited for what's next, right? Just as you mentioned, what's next, you know, and what what God has in store for you. We know, uh, God is not done, (laughs) not even close to done, uh, uh, um, with the things and the plans that he has for not only your life, but also for your wife and your children. So, um, we're following, you know, we're following, we're excited. We're championing your, your work. Um, and we're grateful that you took some time to sit at the table with us, brother. Thank you.
2: Yeah, really honored. Um I admire uh your work. I'm a fan of your work. I'm a supporter of your work. Mm-hmm. Um my daughter, uh she read your book mm-hmm. when it came out. Uh she's been impacted and, you know, I just wanted to say thank you all for allowing a brother like myself to be what did you say? Love, loving the brother, right? Yeah. At the table. Black so brother, I thank you.
0: Yes, of course. Like brother. We love Black you. Like
2: brother, we love That's you. Yeah, right. thank you. That's yeah. right. That's I, and right. And I feel it. Aww. I feel it. So thank you.
0: You're welcome. You are welcome. Well, of course, we want to thank our sisters and our brothers at the table for sitting at the, at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about this episode. Black brother, we love you. Taryn, with Dr. Terrence Lester, use hashtag truce table and black women. Did y'all know that we have a black woman's Facebook discipleship group? Well, now you know. Make sure you follow Truce Table on Facebook and join our Facebook discipleship group. Make sure you ask all the entry questions, y'all. Um, invite your homegirls to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truce Table, or email us your thoughts at asktrucetable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truce Table also has a Patreon account, so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truce table. Tables audio producer is Joshua Heath. Our video producer is Daryl Bradford. And Truce Tables executive producers and hosts are Akemi Uen and Christina Edmondson. We'll see you soon on the next Truce Table. Bye, y'all.